This Janet Mefford Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Well, so long, Washington Redskins, and maybe the Texas Rangers are next to be dismantled by the woke mob. They're clearly getting bored by doing things like toppling Christopher Columbus statues and demolishing elk statues and calling for all white depictions of Jesus to be destroyed and removing a George Whitfield statue over at the University of Pennsylvania. By the way, whatever happened to George Floyd? I don't know. He's kind of gotten lost in all this, but there's no end in sight. And we know what's going on here. The left is doing all this as a means of ultimately taking down our republic and Christian civilization. My next guest has called this trend culture jihad which I think is a great description, also the name of his latest book. And I'm delighted to have with us today Todd Starnes, award-winning journalist and host of the Todd Starnes Show. Todd, thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you. Janet Mefford, always great hanging out with you. And I'm like a huge fan of your show. So it's really an honor to be hanging out with you today. Well, right back at you, Todd. It is a blast to talk to you. And I, you know, I love this description that you have of yourself in your book as a saltine American. I'm just wondering if you're a (laughs) saltine American, do you get canceled by the left as well? Have you heard anything from the left yet? (laughs) That's a terrific question. You know, it's it's really tragic. Uh, When I was back at Fox News, um, one day they sent out this uh, memorandum, and they were announcing a a diversity and inclusion initiative. And they had all sorts of affinity groups, whether it be the LGBT community or, you know, Asian, um, you know, Pacific Rim, uh, Hispanic, you name it. Well, I was going through the list trying to find an affinity group to join, and Janet, I realized, as a white, heterosexual, southern man, that there were no affinity groups for me at Fox. So I created a private group called the Heterosexual Anglo White Guys Club, also known as HOG, H-A-W-G. <laughs> As a nice ring to it. I like it. Did you get any joiners when you did that? <laughs> we had a few we had a few that were um, incognito. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But I mean, it's kind of a lighthearted way to point out a more serious matter, which is what you touch on in your book. And that is the way that the left is trying to destroy our nation. And of course, you wrote your book before all the insanity of the last couple of months exploded. What have your thoughts been about the upheaval that the United States has been experiencing just just in the last several months. Janet, it's really tragic. And and one of the reasons I believe it is tragic is that good men and women are standing down and doing nothing. Yep. And as Bonhoeffer told us, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And that's what we are watching play out across our nation in cities where uh, people are rampaging in the streets, where business owners have been shut down and told, told to close their stores, where churches have been told uh, they cannot gather to worship. You know, just um, just recently you had California under fire because the governor said, you know what, you can meet in a church house, but you cannot sing. Yeah. And now the governor has taken it a step forward and a step another step further and said, now, now we're not going to let churches uh, gather at all. Yeah, yeah. 
And churches are putting up with it, Todd. That's the most insane thing of all. They're saying, well, okay. I mean, how many months are we into this coronavirus insanity? And when you look at the science on it, there's no reason for us to be doing this, especially because we had the leftist mobs out there spreading coronavirus, no doubt. And they get absolutely no finger pointing whatsoever. In fact, Bill de Blasio in New York said he had no problem with the protest. The churches and the synagogues are the problem. Yes, that's right. As a matter of fact, Mayor Mayor uh, de Blasio actually um, turned a blind eye to the violent protesters rampaging in the streets of New York City and in my old neighborhood in Brooklyn, while at the same time he personally directed police to break up a funeral that, uh, that Orthodox Jews were having in another section of, of Brooklyn. Right. I mean, it's quite appalling when you think about uh, how the Democrats are behaving towards people of faith. You know, Mayor de Blasio, early in the in the global pandemic, told Christians and Jews, not Muslims, but Christians and Jews, that if they continued to practice their faith and worship in their houses of worship, that they would go in and not only shut them down, they would close them permanently by directive of the health department and building code enforcement. Right. I, it's insane. And, and yet there are not enough people, I would say, in New York to stand up to this. So clearly, the police department is upset. And that's a whole nother issue is you look at the cancel police movement. What do you think is up with this, Todd? Just from a macro perspective, when you're looking at all the different trends, it started with George Floyd. We've even had activists come out in the media and they couldn't even remember the guy's name. But what do you make of all of these events from a higher perspective, looking down on it and trying to connect the dots? You know, there are there are two big issues. Number one is our public school system. This is, you know, back in 2007, when Barack Obama was campaigning for office, he promised people that he was going to fundamentally transform America. And a lot of people thought that that was a really cool, catchy political phrase. But in reality, he was dead serious about that. And he set about doing it. And it was very strategic. He set about doing it through two entities, the United States military and the public school system. So why the military? Well, many of those officers and the people who go through officer training school in the military were actually taught about white privilege. That's where this started, Janet. Uh, Back in 2008, I received from a military training officer the entire manual. It was 70, 80 pages. And basically, it's bashing white people, telling white people they are to blame for all of the problems uh, in the world, and they have to repent of their of their whiteness. And now many of those people that were in the military are no longer in the military. What are they doing? They are in positions of authority in the general population, now, leading HR departments, uh, being leaders in business and industry. And, and so that's why we're seeing these things play out there. And then when you look at the public school system, Janet, they are teaching children now that they should be ashamed of the color of their skin. This is a very dangerous thing that's happening when basically you're teaching a reverse form of racism in the public school system. It's flat out indoctrination. Oh, yeah. They're transforming the country. Well, you're exactly right. And when you call it a reverse form of racism, that's a very important thing for people to understand, because I listen. Nick Cannon was one of the ones who just came out and was making these incredibly racist statements about white people. And that's okay. And that's not racist. But people accept this, Todd, if it really is racism that you are judging somebody by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. Shouldn't it be called out no matter who is making the statement against any other race? It's insane. Absolutely, Janet. And here's the overarching problem 
is that the church has remained, by and large, silent. The largest Protestant denomination in America, the Southern Baptist Convention, they have completely disengaged themselves from the culture war. And as a result, what do we have? We have cultural chaos going on right now. Just the other day, Lifeway Christian Resources shared on their website Sunday school training material, which was basically critical race theory dumbed down for little children in in Sunday school class. It's really appalling what's happening, but you have to understand that now the church has been infected with this, and that's that's why I'm very concerned and alarmed about where all of this goes and how we can fix the problem. Well, I have the same concerns you do about the Southern Baptist Convention. For example, you've had Russell Moore, the head of the ERLC, out on Twitter promoting his country music opinions during all of this shutdown. And you had in Kansas City that horrible order from the mayor that basically told churches you should collect names of the people in your congregation and you know register people who are going to come into your churches. And thankfully, there were some good Christians Christian attorneys who pushed back and said, no way is this constitutional. Where is Russell Moore? And yet now the ERLC is jumping in and says, oh, churches should co- cooperate with contact tracing. Where were you when you w- the churches needed you a few months ago? You know, that's a, and that's a valid question. Again, we're not talking about a tiny denomination. We're talking about, the, you know, outside of the Catholics, we're talking about a, a denomination that once held a lot of influence in, in the national discourse. And my concern is, now that that's no longer the case, where does that leave us as a country? So you're looking at, you know, pastors right now in the state of California, good, decent, I mean, these these are not the guys going out in front of the TV cameras, Janet. These are guys that are ministering in the pulpit every Sunday, and now they're faced with the decision, what do they do? Do they obey God, or do they obey the government? What do they do? Yeah, exactly. It's a really important question. There's more to talk about. We'll pause for a very short break. Todd Starnes with us. Culture Jihad is his book, and we'll come right back after this on Janet Meffer Today. Hi, this is Kirk Cameron, and I am honored to be partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to help moms choose life. Actor Kirk Cameron supports Preborn. My four oldest children were adopted. That is because of caring and compassionate people who help those young mothers choose life. My wife is an adopted child, and her birth mother chose life for her. If it weren't for those caring individuals that help those young moms value the sacredness of life, I wouldn't have my wife, I wouldn't have my four adopted children, and the two natural-born children that we have wouldn't exist either. My whole family is here because of people that are involved with ministries like Preborn. Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion-minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Mefford today to support the ministry of Preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. One ultrasound is just $28, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 
402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly towards saving babies. You can get involved, and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY. 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. It is just wonderful to have you here and fabulous to have with us Todd Starnes, award-winning journalist, host of The Todd Starnes Show, and great author. His latest title is called Culture Jihad, and you were really ahead of the curve here, Todd, on understanding how the left wants to destroy our nation. You had mentioned before we went to the last break that you have unknown California pastors, and I salute them with everything I have, who have been fighting on this issue of being able to stay open per the First Amendment, and they're the ones fighting in many cases, whereas you see big leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, by contrast, who used to be at the forefront of these kinds of battles, taking a seat and people like Russell Moore opining about country music while the whole country is burning. How do you think this came about? You know, Janet, I, I mean, let's be honest. We, you and I have been in this, in, in this business a long time, and we know there are some pastors out there that you know, uh, clamor for the limelight and, and the TV cameras. Yep. But there are others who are just genuine, you know, they're just as genuine as can be. And these are the ones that, that, that I pay attention to, because when they are standing up and they're saying, you know what, we've got to take a stand here, we've got to speak out, that's an important, that's an important distinction. And it, it really does sadden me. And we've had, you know, in the early days of the virus, where you had a Mississippi congregation, a Baptist church, where the elderly church members were gathered in the parking lot, like a drive-in church service, and the police were dispatched, and they actually fined all of the church members. Um, Where were our our religious leaders? Where were those people, um, you know, taking a stand and saying, you know, hey, this is wrong, this is unconstitutional? But Janet, just think about this, and and I wrote about this in, in Culture Jihad. The problem here is when, you know, why are they doing this? Why are they going after the churches? Why are they trying to silence the churches? Well, how do people think Donald, Donald Trump got elected in 2016? Right. And what better way to make sure he does not get elected is to shut down the churches and to try and marginalize the influence of the churches uh, and, and what those pastors are preaching from the pulpit. Bingo. That's exactly what's going on, because they have never been worrying about things like the cases you can trace back to Walmart or the cases you can trace back to the woke mobs on the streets. They don't talk about that at all. They talk about linking COVID cases to churches. And it's interesting from a journalist perspective, Todd, when you start digging into some of those stories that have come out in the press about churches being responsible for the for the spread of COVID, and I have no doubt there may be some cases that have been linked to churches, but they don't even have any substantive proof of it. They say, this girl got COVID. The next day she came down with COVID after going to the church the day before. And I'm thinking, what about the incubation period? And people just accept it. Churches are dangerous. That's really the message that's being sent right now. That is the message. Uh, look, just a couple of days ago, we were talking to um, to an attorney representing Calvary Chapel in, um, in, Los, in Nevada. And the governor of Nevada says, you know what? Yeah, it's okay. You can have hundreds of people in the casinos, 
but you can't have hundreds of people in the church house. And, you know, they're filing a lawsuit. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing what they are allowed to do under, under the Constitution. But when you start attacking religious liberty, everything else, and again, religious liberty, Janet, as David Barton uh, tells us, our foundational freedom, when you start chipping away at religious liberty, every other freedom is jeopardized. Right. And when you look around what's happening in this country, where they're telling people you've got to shut down your business, you cannot plant a garden in Missouri, they're taking away guns from a law-abiding homeowner who is defending his property. We are living in, that's what, again, why I said we are living in very dangerous times, and the church better wake up or we're going to end up losing our freedoms. I agree with you. What would you like to see in terms of the church standing up right now? A few voices, people storming into city council meetings, not that we can meet fully right now, but what would you like to see and pray to see happen in terms of the church waking up and responding at a critical time like this? I use a phrase in my in my book, Culture Jihad, that we cannot adapt the tactics of the left. You know, we are not called as ambassadors for Christ to go out there and burn down city blocks and beat people up with baseball bats. That's what the left does. That's what the anarchists do. We are called to be happy warriors. And I contend that, that Christians need to engage the political process. There's a chapter in my book which was almost providential. It was a letter that Dr. James Dobson wrote to members wrote to uh, supporters of his ministry, warning them about what would happen if Christians did not engage. And, 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 and by engage, him, he meant just getting out there and voting. Yeah. And it's just, when you see just the minuscule numbers of Christians who actually go and vote on Election Day, no wonder the country is in the shape it's in. Yeah. But Dr. Dobson compared what's happening in the United States of America to what was happening in Nazi Germany. And it's very hard not to see the comparisons when you see the actions of these blue state governors like uh, Whitmer, Gretchen Whitmer out of Michigan, telling people they can't go fishing, they cannot plant a garden because somehow that's going to you know, cause the apocalypse. Yeah. Right, exactly. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned Dr. Dobson's letter because I read that, which was in your book. It was very powerful. One of the things that he talked about when he mentioned the Nazis was this question that he had in his mind. How did they get away with this? How were they able to take over the thought process of so many Germans? And it was coming down to the fact that the Nazis controlled the communication. Well, now this brings us to our present day with fake news and with the propaganda that is constantly being fed to the American people. And then the cancel culture, where you go onto Facebook or you go onto Twitter and you're canceled or you get canceled by big tech. Now, Facebook is saying we're going to, you know, get rid of anybody who pushes so-called conversion therapy. What, what do you make of these parallels, Todd? No, it's, it's, a, it's a valid point. And even more concerning, you know, a lot of people are putting their stock in conservative news organizations. But folks need to understand that uh, that they are beholden to the almighty dollar and not the ideology. Yeah. And many of the people who are employed in those organizations are not conservative, they are not Christian, and they do not share our values. And, and, that's, a, and that's problematic. And I think people are beginning to wake up and they're starting to see that. You know, one of the things I encourage people to do, it's important for the average American to be a good news consumer. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when people come and read my stuff, I tell them, don't just take my word for it. I mean, I'm not going to lead you astray. I'm going to share with you the information we have. But you need to go to other res- other resources and see what they're writing about those issues. Right. Uh, that that's an important thing for us to do. You know, we can't just get locked into you know to one news organization or one source uh, of news. 
But when you look, and you know, our friends over at Media Research Center have done a terrific job. I mean, the amount of negative news directed at this president and this administration is off the charts. Yeah. And Janet, it is literally skewing everybody, including Trump supporters. It's skewing everybody's opinion of this president. Whether you know it or not, it's skewing how you feel about the president. Well, that's true. And going back to this issue of standing up and evil triumphing when enough good men do nothing, we talked about this in terms of the church. But what about in terms of President Trump and the Republicans in Congress? Because I've heard a lot of grumbling of late from Christian conservatives who are saying, why isn't he going into some of these cities where there's this anarchy? Why isn't he doing more? Why isn't he standing up more against Fauci on coronavirus? What about the Republicans? They just seem to be sitting there on their hands watching people like Ilhan Omar are talking about destroying the American system. What what do you make of this whole issue of the GOP response to this moment? Well, look, I, I think the president has read the Constitution. He understands that many of those responsibilities lie within the state, not the federal government. And, you know, I, even though, you know, and I'm one of those people, I'm like, you know, man, I really would like for the president to speak out or to do something here. But he, in some ways, he can't because his hands are tied because of the Constitution. But there are other ways. And, and honestly, I don't know why he hasn't fired Dr. Fauci. Yeah. I mean, he has literally been wrong about every single thing he has said. And it is causing a lot of unrest, is causing massive chaos in the country right now. I mean, people, I mean, tens of millions of people are unemployed, really hundreds or tens of millions of people are unemployed as a result of what Dr. Fauci has been, has been spewing. But Janet, let's get real. I mean, it's, it's not President Trump who needs to fight. It's the Republicans in Congress. Yeah. And we need them to stand up. They're the ones who need to be shouting from the mountaintops in their respective states and districts. Well, right. And, and another thing that comes into play when we're talking about the culture is the Supreme Court. Now, we had a couple of, well, actually three pretty good religious liberty decisions handed down just recently. But right before that, we had the horrible Bostock decision in which Neil Gorsuch, who we all thought was this reliable conservative, or at least was purported to be a reliable conservative, conservative, basically turn himself into Congress in making this decision that sex now means sexual orientation and gender identity. Does that seem to you like it can pave the way for the Equality Act to pass if progressives are able to get enough power to do it? I'm afraid so. And that was a devastating and I mean devastating decision. Um, You know, Janet, you you and I, you, you know, the history here. Republicans have a bad track record of putting people on the Supreme Court and they turn out to be leftist or, you know, leaning left. And I certainly hope that's not the case for Gorsuch. It certainly was the case for the Chief Justice, John Roberts. And a lot of people have speculated why that is. I did a a study on this a couple of books ago, and I went back and looked at every culture war decision going back to prayer in school. And, And it was fascinating because every one of those court decisions was actually the decisions were made by justices who were put on the bench by Republicans, yeah. which is really, it's sad, and um, it's, uh, it, it, it ought to be a wake-up call for, for true conservatives to make sure that the president is getting good guidance on who these nominees are. I don't blame the president for this. I blame the people who recommended 
these men to the president. And um, I think one day we're going to find out who, the, who that individual was. Well, I hope so, because I share the same sentiments that you just expressed. And I think this is also another wake up call for us as Christians. Go into public service, because if we stay out of public service, then naturally you will have a vacuum filled by progressives. That's part of the equation as well and something that I think a lot of Christians are concerned about. But like you said, Todd, it's very important that we stand up as believers, as salt and light in this culture and not just sit back and wait for everything to happen to us. We have got to stand up and be the ambassadors for Christ that he's called us to be. Check out Todd Starnes' great book, Culture Jihad, as well as his terrific show and website, toddstarns.com. Todd, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Janet, it's been so much fun. Thank you again. Oh, you bet. God bless. Thank you so much. We'll be back on Janet Mefford today after this. This Janet Mefford Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-W-O-R-D, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. I want to follow up a little bit on this George Whitfield issue because this really bugs me. It's not like the other statue destructions don't bug me. Christopher Columbus, George Washington, the elk in Portland. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that one. What did the elk ever do? The elk was racist. I have no idea. But George Whitfield was such a giant a giant. This is the itinerant evangelist of the colonial era here in the United States, came over from England, was an unbelievable preacher, preached to something like 10 million people. He was seen as one of the greatest religious figures of the 18th century, well-deserved work with the Wesleys, if you know the whole history of George Whitfield. But the University of Pennsylvania wants to cancel him. You know what's really funny about this? Not funny haha, but kind of ironic is this statue that the University of Pennsylvania wants to remove of George Whitfield? It's not even in public view. It's tucked away in the courtyard of a residence hall. So it isn't as if visitors to the University of Pennsylvania will walk by George Whitfield and just be horrified and overcome with angst because they see this great preacher standing there. It's insane. But, you know, all of it is insane, and we know why, because there's much more to it than merely taking down statues. But I want to give you a little bit more detail on what's going on here via campus reform. Penn announced these plans to remove this statue of George Whitfield, and the email from the university stated that the case for removing Whitfield is overwhelmingly strong and that there is absolutely no justification for keeping the monument. So it doesn't matter what he did. It doesn't matter how much he impacted the colonies. It doesn't matter that he sparked the first great awakening. It doesn't matter because he had slaves. Citing his ownership of slaves and successful campaign to allow slavery in Georgia, the email says that honoring Whitfield with a statue on our campus is inconsistent with our university's core values, which guide us in becoming an ever more welcoming community that celebrates inclusion and diversity. How is it that, you know, After the Civil War, when you had all of this time period after 
slavery was eradicated in the you know Emancipation Proclamation and all the rest were put into place. And after even the 1960s, where the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was put into place, you had all of these years where people could have been going bonkers over George Whitfield. How come it didn't happen until 2020? It's almost like these leftists are looking around and say, saying to themselves, who can we go after next? Let's just go into the annals of history and anybody who had any connection to slavery, let's just wipe them out. You know, it's so funny because when you are against hate, it's ironic because these leftists love to talk about hate. They love to talk about eradicating hate. For example, there were these lawn signs. This was up recently when I was in Chicago, but it's gone on for a couple of years now. These lawn signs would crop up in the suburbs. Hate has no home here. This was started, I think Lori Higgins from Illinois Family Institute reported on this, that this was started by North Park Seminary in Chicago. Of course, that was the birthplace. But hate has no hope home here. And the whole idea was hate is what you are expressing when you oppose homosexuality. That's basically what the underlying message was because it was all about accepting and welcoming the LGBT community. Now, who is really being hateful? If you have, for example, churches that were involved in that campaign, the irony here is the church is no longer a place for sinners, is it? If you really believe that you cannot bring into your church people who hate, people who genuinely hate, which, let's be honest, All of us have that problem on some level. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The human heart is evil. It's, you know, varying degrees of evil, but we're all guilty before God. So you're going to tell somebody who feels hatred in his heart, even if there is somebody who feels hatred in his heart toward homosexuality. And and it's just a swipe at Christians, basically. If you say that I don't believe in anything other than man, woman, marriage, the way God designed it to be, that I'm a hater. I'm not going to go with that premise, but let's let's say that there was somebody who actually felt hate. That's wrong. Wouldn't you need the church in order to tell you, hey, listen, the heart is desperately wicked. And let me tell you about the solution. Jesus Christ died for sinners. He didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. Right. He came for those who needed a savior, not for people who were perfect. So the whole thing gets all messed up. But here's what's really significant. Spectator.us has this interesting take on this removal of the statue of George Whitfield, because you got to dig in a little bit more to look at the life of George Whitfield and really come up with some important tidbits, I would say. Uh, Here's one of the things that's really important was it wasn't until after Whitfield's death that Christian denominations in the British colonies declared slave ownership to be a sin. While it's true that Whitfield accepted a donation of slaves to work his orphanage in Georgia, his advocating for the fair treatment of Africans was ahead of its time. Whitfield regularly admonished slave owners for mistreating their slaves and failing to educate them in Christianity. He once purchased 5,000 acres in Pennsylvania to advance slave education. He preached to mixed crowds. He addressed African-Americans specifically. When he visited a city, slaves rushed to finish their work so that they could hear his sermons. One former slave, Phyllis Wheatley, lauded Whitfield in a eulogy, saying he leaves the earth for heaven on measured height and worlds unknown receive him from our sight. There Whitfield wings with rapid course his way and sails to Zion through vast seas of day. But these facts don't have a place in 2020, clearly.
Instead of working to cancel a host of left-wing institutions and politicians who have actually forwarded racism in recent history, the mob has decided to erase the legacy of a man whose views on race in America were arguably ahead of their time. You're not going to see any of this via pen. You're not going to see any of this because they have decided this guy retroactively was a horrendous racist and we have to cancel him. Take his statue down, even though it's tucked away by residence hall and most people can't even see it. Now, the decision followed research from the Pen and Slavery Project, which is tasked with researching the university's ties to American slavery since its founding in 1740. Whitfield, actually, by the way, assisted his close friend Benjamin Franklin with founding the Academy of Philadelphia, which later became the University of Pennsylvania. He was one of the most prominent public figures in that century. He helped to articulate much of the doctrine and culture of what eventually became the American evangelical movement. See, now what I take away from all this is that's probably his real sin. That's his real sin. You don't want to be attached to Christianity. Why would you want to do that? How about this? Speaking of the whole problem of Christianity, Newsbusters just reports, and I've been talking about this for a few days, The rash of attacks on churches. Have you noticed this? The fires and the attacks on the Virgin Mary. It's, you know, a lot of Catholic institutions. But there was a guy in Florida who drove into the church and set it on fire. And and the mainstream media, who do 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 do? There's a lot to do, but we're not going to talk about this. Here's what they're reporting is the media is occupied with the Chinese virus epidemic. There's another terrifying and tragic epidemic that they're completely ignoring, one that threatens the peace and stability of millions of Americans all the same. Over this last weekend, at least five churches were vandalized by people who tore the places apart and also arsonists. But most people haven't heard about this rash of violence because none of the major news networks have even mentioned it. Out of 270 minutes of NBC, ABC, and CBS nightly news coverage for the 10th, 11th, and 12th, not one second was spent on these violent anti-Christian attacks. I thought they hated hate. Whatever happened to hating hate? Catholic News Agency reported four Christian churches or Catholic churches were attacked between Friday, July 10th and Sunday, July 12th. At two Catholic parishes, statues of the Virgin Mary were defaced. One vandal wrote the word idol in graffiti on a statue at Cathedral Prep School in Queens. The community's rector and president called the vandalism an act of hatred. Another vandal set fire to a statue of Mary in St. Peter's Parish in Boston. The Catholic outlet reported a 24-year-old suspect, as you've heard about, rammed his minivan into the entrance of Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Florida. And then, of course, there was that scene, uh, San Gabriel Mission in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, a 249-year-old mission founded by St. Junipero Serra. And by the way, he's a Catholic missionary whose statue has been toppled in Los Angeles and also in Sacramento and San Francisco over the past month by Black Lives Matter riots. That's what's going on. But the network news is all about eradicating hate, isn't it? We're going to take a break. We'll be right back on Janet Meffer today.
This is Janet Mefford, and we're partnering with Bible League International on Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia. Our shared goal is to send 1,200 Bibles from the Janet Mefford listening family to our brothers and sisters in Christ in Asia. In this region of the world, Bibles are scarce for many reasons, including the remoteness of where people live. In the Philippines, church planters and evangelists trained by using resources from Bible League International travel many hours by car, boat, and by foot to lead Bible studies in remote places of the country. Let's send them the Bibles they need in order to share Christ and to see lives transformed for His glory. You can join other Janet Mefford listeners by sending a Bible for $5 or $15 for $75. Just call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Just look for Fan the Flame, Bibles for Asia. And God bless you for caring. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $199 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or visit libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. We are back talking a little bit about the culture of hate. Are we really the haters? Are we really the ones in Christian churches who are attacking people and doing terrible things and uh, causing all kinds of problems across society? Oh, yeah. If you read the Washington Post, Christians are all to blame. And white evangelicals in particular, they're, they're just to blame for everything. For everything. I guess now one of the trends that's out there, I've seen several different stories on this. I think The Atlantic also did a story on this, is there's a new trend. I don't know if it's a micro trend of black consultants, black consultants going into white evangelical churches and trying to, I guess, wake them up from their stupor. So I don't know. There was some guy who wrote for The Washington Post. I'm never doing this consulting business again because these people are just wanting forgiveness. And I don't want to do this situation when it involves forgiveness because you can never move on from you know, I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that what the church is about is forgiveness? That's part of the problem is we as Christians believe in forgiveness. We do. I need forgiveness every day. I'm sure you need forgiveness every day. I need forgiveness from the Lord. I need forgiveness from my family. I need forgiveness from my friends. So we all are in that boat because we're sinners. But if there's no forgiveness on the other end of your sin, you have no hope. You have no hope at all. You live in a perpetual prison from which you can never escape. You are wrong. You're bad. You're terrible. You're awful. You're full of hate. And there's no escape from you. You're awful. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe there's more at work here merely than trying to get people to own up to their sins. And in the case of the BLM movement, what we're really talking about with these leftist activists 
is just hating the country and hating Christianity. You know, you hate to be that stark, but you really can't deny it. Here's another example of this. And this was something from a couple of weeks ago. And I think we touched on this, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. Amazon, I don't know if you knew this. Amazon, as you know, has already censored some books dealing with Christian authors' takes on homosexuality and on your ability to leave homosexuality through the power of the gospel. And they've taken off a lot of these books. You know, no surprise there. But now Amazon's Smile Program, which is their charity program, you may have seen this when you go on Amazon, you can sign up with a charity of your choice. And then every time you make a purchase, it'll give a portion of your purchase to the charity of your choice. They've removed another Christian nonprofit from the smile program the family research council yeah the family research council is joining the alliance defending freedom as the latest mainstream conservative organization dismissed from amazon's nonprofit program frc's removal is taking place because amazon uses the work of guess who the Southern Poverty Law Center to decide which charities are classified as a hate group. Now, you would think, you would think that the SPLC would have been thoroughly discredited back in, what was it, 2012, when that domestic terrorist went into the Family Research Council headquarters. He was a homosexual uh, domestic terrorist. I'm not making this up because he was actually charged with domestic terrorism and he was convicted. He went into the Family Research Council headquarters in Washington, D.C. with mass murder on his mind. And thank the Lord it didn't occur because the building manager was very brave and fought back against this guy. But I wanted to play a couple of cuts about this because when you're looking at demonizing people, and marginalizing people. You have a bigger game in mind than just, I don't like that person. It's no skin off the nose of Amazon. Which charity you want to give your money to? Is it? Why do they care? It's something I would think that they offer to their customers in order to entice their customers to be able to shop on Amazon. You see, it doesn't really matter. It shouldn't matter what your position is on this, that, or the other thing. They're saying, we want our customers to know if you shop on our website, we'll give a portion to the charity you like. So you're really looking at your customer and the customer's interests and the customer's preferences, theoretically, until you involve the Southern Poverty Law Center. And you would think after what happened several years back, that the Southern Poverty Law Center would have been held fully accountable, not just by the right, but by the left and everybody in between, because it was the SPLC's hate map that showed exactly where the Family Research Council headquarters was located. And that was what Floyd Lee Corkins, the domestic terrorist, told the FBI when he was being interviewed about his attempt to commit mass murder there. Does this not matter? And now, this was something that General Jerry Boykin, who is the executive vice president at FRC, talked about just a few months ago. I want you to listen to this. This was from March. Cut to. We at the, at the uh, Family Research Council, I think, are the sterling example of what happens when you recklessly go around slandering people and organizations with the label of haters. Uh, we were listed some time ago, years ago, as a hate group because we... We took a stand on, on what we considered to be natural biblical marriage, and that is that marriage between one man and one woman. Therefore, Floyd Lee Corkins, who came in our building on the 15th of August at 1041 in the morning, 2012, and shot our building manager, Leo Johnson, as, as you just said earlier, um, it, that man told the judge that he, was going, he targeted us to kill as many people as possible 
and he was going to smear a Chick-fil-A sandwich in each face of the dead that he killed because we were a hate group. We hated homosexuals. Let me look at you that are watching this or that will see this later. That is not true. Nothing could be further from the truth. We are a faith-based organization and we do not hate people, regardless of who they are or what they've done. The SPLC surely does. They do. They do. They didn't care whether or not their hate map was used by a domestic terrorist to potentially have a mass murder situation, a bloodbath in the FRC headquarters. They don't care about this. And that was something that General Boykin also discussed. This is cut three. This whole hate map thing is totally illegitimate. What gives a self-proclaimed arbiter of hate the authority to list people and organizations as haters. What gives them that authority? The only thing that gives them that authority is when industry and government use that data as if it was authentic. It is not authentic. I could do the same thing. I could do the same thing. Any organization could do the same thing. Any individual could do the same thing and and develop their own hate map. This is all about making money. First of all, it's all about making money, and secondly, it's all about uh, supporting the agenda of the left extremist organizations in America. He's right about that, and that's what we all need to keep in mind. Now, speaking of money, this was a story that I pulled off from the Washington Free Beacon from earlier this year. This was in uh, late April. The Southern Poverty Law Center which last year faced accusations of racism among its highest ranks. Why aren't they banished from Amazon? Uh, Reported $162 million stashed in offshore investments and paid its disgraced former leaders over a million dollars. The controversial group has continued to build its massive war chest by tens of millions of dollars, even after employees claimed that the group's leadership allowed sexual harassment and racial discrimination against its minority staffers. Well, that sounds a little bit hateful to me. The ensuing media firestorm ultimately led to the ouster of co-founder Morris Dees, longtime President Richard Cohen, and legal director Rhonda Brownstein from the group in March of 2019. New forms at the time covering a period between November 1st, 2018 and ending on October 31st, 2019, show that Cohen and Brownstein each received six-figure severance packages. Critics of the SPLC in recent years have characterized the group as a money racket that labels conservative organizations as hate groups to fundraise, and its most recent financial forms may fuel that criticism. The SPLC achieved numerous civil rights victories decades ago, but has since veered far left, partnering with numerous tech and media giants to expand its influence. They experienced a drastic uptick in assets, even as its contributions and grants have declined. Hmm... Very interesting. Its most recent tax forms reported annual contributions of $97 million down from the $132 million it reported in 2017. And yet it reported $570 million in assets between its main organization and its action fund, which was a $52 million increase. The jump can be attributed to the SPLC's vast investment portfolio, which now includes $162 million stashed in offshore accounts, $41 million more than the group previously reported. 
reported. Oh, that's the group you ought to be working with, Amazon. They are the stalwarts of integrity. You should listen to everything they say. And meanwhile, Amazon continue to allow people like, oh, yeah, the butchers over at Planned Parenthood and the atheists at the Freedom From Religion Foundation and the far leftists at the Center for American Progress to continue to get donations through your SMILE program. But you oust the Family Research Council and Alliance Defending Freedom. You know, they're sending us a message loud and clear. Who is welcome? Who is not? Who is marginalized? Who is not? And we better pay attention to this. We better pay attention to what's going on. And in the meantime, we need to remember to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Never forget that because that's what Jesus would have us do. This Hour of Janet Mefford today has been brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to needy Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you so much for your generosity. We'll see you next time.